0: Start off in Colossians chapter 3. continue. If you're here for the first time, we've been talking about um, identity in Christ uh, pretty much all uh, semester long. I've been using uh, these boxes up here. Um, There's an illustration that Louis Giglio did um, a couple years ago, and I've kind of adapted it a little bit. This has kind of been our um, going illustration. We've talked about uh, Christ in us. All throughout the Old Testament, you heard, um, or like you would read, it would know, talk about God being with Moses or with Abraham or with Joshua, and in the New Testament, the word is not with, it is in, and uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and it also talks about us being in Christ, and we've been talking about that and how um, it is what is, it's what's inside of us that defines who we are, that's where our, our true identity comes from, and uh, how now since we are a crisis in us that that is now what defines us. It's not what we do for a living. It's not what we're interested in. It's not what we're good at. Um, it's not if we're funny or athletic or um, artsy or whatever. Those, those are our, our characteristics of us. Those are things that, that you could say about us, but that is not the defining uh, thing about you and I. It is what is inside of you that defines you. And so we've been exploring that and uh, you know, all semester long, kind of looking, kind of laid a, a couple weeks worth of groundwork. And now we're kind of looking at different uh, practical uh, ways that that fits into life. And so what I want us to do tonight is I want us to look at um, something that's described um, several places. We've, we looked at it a couple weeks ago in Colossians 3. Um, and uh, we didn't really skip over it. That's the wrong thing to say. But we definitely didn't focus on it very much. And I want to go back... Um, because it has some extremely practical um, implications for us. Look at Colossians 3. Look at verse uh, verse 9. It says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. It talks about being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That, um, that is, that's significant. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, is, is the, the image of God and how that and um, in our, in our identity um, like, affect the way that we live. Um, you don't have to turn to it. We're going to put it up on the screen because I want you to kind of stay in Colossians 3. In Second Corinthians, there's um, something very similar that is said Second Corinthians 3, uh, 17. says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so transformed into the image of God's glory, and then what we just, felt, just said, that the, the new self was being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That this language describes a, a return to something. And, and here's basically what happened. Um, again, like I, I say, we're going to jump around a lot tonight. So if you're not into like flipping a lot of pages, I understand. We're going to put all these verses up on the screen. Um, but I want us to, to make sure we understand. In Genesis chapter 1, um, there's something that uh, is significant for us. Um, you know, God's creating all this stuff, the water and the earth and light and water and creatures. And then in verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 26, Genesis 1, it says this. It says then God said. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay. Now there's plurality there because the Father and the Son and the Spirit were all there in the beginning. And so that's where there's this us that comes from. Um, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right? When we talk about that being created in the image of God, there's, uh, that word means, um, you know, it can, can mean likeness. It means similarity. And, and here's, here's basically what, what is being said. Um, we were created in, uh, in a similar way to God, in a, in a, to have a likeness to God. We're not duplicates of him, but we favor him. Let me, this probably makes a little bit more sense. The same word is used in Genesis chapter 5. Same word for um, likeness or image. Um, It says in 5:3, it says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. Okay, same verbiage is used there, right? So, So if we think about a father and a son, mother and a, and a daughter, we can kind of understand what image and likeness is about. Because if this has not happened to you yet, you just wait. Um, you're going to start to uh, look like your parents. And you're going to start to talk like them. and You're going to start to think like them. And maybe the very things you can't stand about your parents, that's going to be you. And So if it hasn't happened, get ready, because it's coming. Um, but that's, that's a part of it. Um, my whole life, people have always said, oh, you look just like your dad. And then my dad would say, isn't he good looking? That was like always his joke. Um, but but, but that's, that's, that's a likeness and image that we can understand. I am not my, my dad. I'm not a duplicate of him. I'm not my mom. I'm not a duplicate of her. But I am in their image. And so um, there's, there's a lot about me obviously, that comes from, uh, from them, all right? So when God created man, he made us in his image like a father and mother when they have a child, the child is in their image, okay? So anything anything like, um, in any way that I am like my father, that is me being created in his image, okay? So if I look like him, that's, ref- that's how I'm created in his image. If I speak like him, that's how I'm created in his, his image. If my if I'm good at the same thing that my dad is good at, that's a way that I'm created in his image, okay? Similar, not exact, not an exact duplicate, but there's a likeness that is there. And what Bible tells us is that when, when God made humans, we were created in that same way. All right, so if we've been using these, these Tupperware deals, right? So I want us to understand, and you know, any illustration only goes so far, okay? So give me a little grace here. Um, here we have a box that is uh, it is clear, okay? It uh, has a white top on it. It's a uh, Sterilite brand. Um, oh man, this isn't gonna work. Uh, all right, I could just lie to you and tell you this is Sterilite too, it's Rubbermaid. Um, just, we'll just go with it. Um, has white top, it, it's a clear container. It is made to hold things, all right? It has a, a way of, of snapping down and sealing things in. Um, and and so it, let's say that this is God, and, and so this has been used to represent us. Um, the similarities between God and us would be, you know, quite like this. We also have a white lid. We also are able to snap down. We are also clear. Um, we also have our name, Magic Marker on our face. Um, we uh, we let's just uh, let's pretend that these are both the same brand, all right? And so and so all these things are the ways that this is created in the image of this. Does that make sense? All right. So I'm going to put these side by side. All right. So when when God created man, God said, let's, let's make man in our image. To look like us, to, to think like us, to act like us. Um, not an exact duplicate because there are differences. This one is round. Um, this one is rubber made. Uh, that could fit in that category too. Um, so they're similar, but they're different alright you'd find these on the same aisle at Walmart right okay so so here's what like that is what it means to be created in the image of God when God made us um, there is a simplicity and a purity in our relationship to him this is the way it was intended to be the Garden of Eden God made Adam and this is, is how they existed created in the image and the likeness of God similar now when sin entered into the world, that's where, that's where we hit some problems. Um, we've talked about um, the, the domain of darkness, all right? And how um, when sin entered into the world, we have the sin golf ball here, it says sin on it. Um, it's a pinnacle, so those of you golfers don't ever buy a pinnacle. Um, the, the sin, that bloodline is now in us and um, that's, was passed down from person to person to person there's a separation now. Instead of being in fellowship with God and being with God and living, walking in the garden and existing with God, now there's a separation that's there. God had to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden. Um, the world was cursed. Uh, the ground was cursed. Serpents were cursed. Um, women now, childbirth would hurt really bad. Men now had to work the ground in order uh, to get their food. Uh, there's a, a curse that was there, and, and this has been passed down and down and down. Okay? Now, when it comes to the image of God, here's here's the deal. Um, I couldn't really think of a better way to do this than this, okay? Um, We were over here, created to be like him. Over here, now the image of God in us has now been distorted, all right? And so, um, here's what's happened. I have this awesome red marker, all right? The image of God that's in us is now distorted. It is bent. It is different, And so before you had Adam hanging out with God, walking around the, with God, um, God said, "Eat of any tree, uh, eat of any fruit that you want in the whole garden," and he was able to do that. And he and Eve were able to just kind of hang out and enjoy the presence of God and the creation of God. Then, the, when they were separated, not only did something happen um, to them in their identity, as far as now there's sin inside of them, now they're separated from God but also the image of God that they were created in, the ways that they were similar to God, that they were in His likeness and in His image, has now been changed. All right. Now, like I said, I don't know everything I'm going to go so far. It's the best idea I can come up with. So um, if you got a better one, let me know. Um, and so uh, here we are in this sinful world, but also the image of God in us has now been distorted. It has been changed. But it is not entirely gone. It's just distorted. We are not fully like him in the ways that we were before. and Every area of our lives has been affected by this. And so as we were in the domain of darkness, um, I mean, we kind of look like we did once, but, but we don't at the same time. And so things got really complicated when they were over here. When we talk about being, being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator, and being transformed into the same image in those verses that we read at the beginning, here's what's going on. When, when Christ, when we place our faith in what Christ did on the cross, we repent of our sins, and we talk about this, and how He replaces sin, okay, um, He replaces our heart of stone with the heart of flesh, there's this exchange, and the sin golf ball comes out, and Christ, the us see, this is, this is a whole other brand, this is, stain shield um, uh, the Christ is put in us all right Christ in us the hope of glory and then we are talking about how we are are hidden uh, we are in Christ servers in Christ is a new creation and so Christ is in us but we're also in Christ and then we're hidden with Christ in God and this is sealed by the Holy Spirit and so this now is our identity. What was defining us um, before was that sin inside of us, and now what defines us is Christ in us, and so we're not who we used to be. Um, and so we've covered this, and we've covered this, and we've covered this. When it comes to the image of God, here's, what, here's the best way I know to explain it, all right? So you're in there, all right? So this is, I'm going to take you out for a second, but that's not really, really possible, but I'm going to do it for this illustration, okay? Um, just... Don't freak out. I'm not undoing your identity. Okay. Um, so the image of God was uh, distorted. And so there's that red that's there. Okay. What happens as we are being transformed into His image and we are being renewed in the likeness of our Creator is this. There's Christ that's in there. And let's, pretend, let's pretend that this red was paint. Okay. Where you couldn't see that. Or you would look at that and you would say, That's a red container. you say, that's not a clear container. Each day of your life and of my life, it's like a little bit of that paint or a little bit of this marker is being rubbed away. Each day we're being renewed and we're being changed, we're being transformed. And as the, the paint is chipped away or as the marker is rubbed away, you begin to see what's inside a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And our entire lives is God coming and, and, and taking the things that, that have distorted his image and he's cleaning them up. So He's cleaned us up on the, on the inside. That's a done deal. So your identity, completely secure. But a lot of times we wonder, like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm saved and Christ is in me and I'm not who I used to be, why do I still think this way? Why do I still act this way? Why do I still have the same habits? Why do I, you know, whatever. And that's the thing, is God has chosen to, to keep us in process. That there's this initial change in your identity, and then there's this processing change where every day he chips away a little more and a little more and a little more, and then this happens every day of your life until you die. And one day when we get to go to be with him in heaven, then that's when the, the final change happens, and there's this, this glorification that happens, there's all this great stuff. And so salvation, is, it's like a three it's not steps. it's like three things that happen. One happens initially, one happens over the course of your lifetime, and one happens in the end. So that's why you are saved, and you're being saved, okay, wearing this away, and then you will be saved again. So every day we're being renewed in the, in the knowledge and the image of our Creator. And so as these things are, are being washed away and washed away and chipped away and chipped away, we're basically returning back to our original state. It's a return to the Garden of Eden. God is repairing His distorted image in us. And he's chosen to do that as he is transforming our lives. He's putting us on display so that as people watch you live over the months and months and months and months, and they watch you change, and they're like, okay, I've watched you transform right before my eyes. This Jesus thing must be for real. And so that's what has happened as far as the image of God goes. And this is what life in Christ is about. More and more and more people begin to see him and see him and see him. If this was paint, he's in there, but you don't really see him. So chip by chip, that's what happens. Now, there are are some implications for this as far as how this affects your life and my life. Now, that was probably not the best explanation of the image of God you've ever heard. I drew on a Tupperware thing with a marker. Um, However, this, this represents in a simple way the deep reality of what's going on in your life as he restores his image in you. All right, so I'm going to put you back in here so you don't freak out. All right. And I, kind of feel I, le- I kind of feel like there are three things that, three implications for your life and for my life. And so if you're a note taker, you're going to like this because there's three. If you're not a note taker, you probably don't care. Here's the first one. Luke, turn over to Second Peter. I know I said stay in Colossians 3, but I'm random. Second Peter chapter one, we talked about this at the beginning of the semester or at some point. Here's the the first implication. Speaking from the perspective about the image of God in you that was distorted, that is now being transformed and renewed on a daily basis. All right, the first thing that this means for you and I is that we take transformation seriously. We take transformation seriously. If you look at it as a timeline, all right, and let's say that over here was the rescue point. This was the Christ in you, the hope of glory moment. Sin golf ball comes out, Jesus comes in, all that kind of stuff happens to you over here, all right? And let's say that, that this is um, back to the image of God being completely pure and exactly what it was in the first place on this side, all right? And so this is, this is your whole life is moving from one side to the other, one side to the other. If this is really what, what it's about, if God has changed you on the inside and is bringing you to heaven with him to, for your glorified existence forever and ever and ever, and your time here on the earth is basically uh, to put you out in front of everybody and let him rub that stuff off, to, to take the, the paint chips away and all that kind of stuff to, for him to shine through your life more and more and more and more. If that's really true, then we take that seriously we have to. That's the whole purpose of life. Look at this. We've read this many many times, 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is the that is in the world because of sinful desire. All right? Partakers of the divine nature. Becoming partakers of the divine nature. All right? That's this process. That's more and more and more and more being Christ like and Christ shining through and transforming us. Look at the next part, verse 5. Here it is. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness fastness with godliness, godliness with brother affection, and brotherly, brotherly affection with love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make every effort. We have to take this stuff seriously. And I know that, that, that that's basically what um, every Sunday night comes down to at some point, doesn't it? It's not a game, it's not a joke, it's, it's got to be the passionate pursuit of our life, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm never going to stop saying those things, um, and mostly because I'm saying it to myself, like I'm not saying this is what y'all need to do, I'm saying this is what the scripture says that we need to do, and I wrestle with that, and if I'm not like constantly putting that in front of my face and reminding myself, then I'm going to find any way to make um, every half effort I possibly can. You know, or I'll make a few efforts, this says make every effort, that every part of our lives has got to be devoted to, to that process of God chipping that stuff away. And sometimes it's painful, and sometimes it's, just, it's sometimes not fun, but, but you think about it. If God's bringing you through stuff, and He's restoring his, his image to be more accurate like Him, and more Christ is shining through, then you're changing, you're becoming like Him, and people are stepping up and noticing. And so everything that you and I really want, if we we're to be completely honest, we want that. Everything is there. Everything is possible. So we take it seriously. So we get into the Scriptures, and we pray, and we say, God, change my life. What do I need to do? And you know what? When we start asking, He starts telling us. And that's when it gets really hard. I don't know why, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. I don't know why obedience has this, like, negative thing about it. But sometimes it does. And I know what it's like to have something in front of you that you know you're supposed to do, and you're just terrified of doing it for whatever reason. But if this is all true, then we take our transformation seriously. Go back to Colossians 3, if you would. When we read and we started off, um, and I was reading that stuff to you um, about being renewed and being changed. Colossians 3, um, verse 10 um, And you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Look at the next verse. Put on then, all right, because of that, in view of that, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. All right? This brings us to our second implication. First one is that we take transformation seriously. The second one is that we have grace for each other. We have grace for each other. This is, Paul is like, okay, in view of the fact that you're all being renewed and you're all in the same boat. Bear with one another. One has a complaint against another. Forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. We got to leave room for each other to make some mistakes. I'm not saying that we don't. You know, I'm not saying our church is so terrible at this. But uh, but but we really have to we have to recognize that that every one of us is in this same process, and every one of us has this image that is being restored and renewed. And God is doing something unique in each one of us as we live our lives. And some people he's refining them in, in one area and other people in another area. Some people it's through circumstances and some through, it's through um, just like the conviction of his, his spirit. And some it's through scripture and some it's through prayer. But, but God is, is doing the same thing uniquely in every one of us. Now, if if I look at you as being in process, as being created in the image of God, that was distorted, and now God is, res- is now bringing that back to its original state. Then when you mess up, like if that's my starting point for you as a, a fellow believer, then, then I handle things a whole lot differently when you let me down. Right? Then when... Um, When disappointment comes, when people mess up, when people are stubborn or obstinate, when they are acting in a way that is contrary to who they really are, if I look at you and I expect you to already be over there, that's not fair to you. And so what I have to do when I interact with you and I look at at your life, not in a judgmental way, but in this way like we try to be open and transparent with each other, when somebody's struggling, i got to look at them and say, this: they're in process, and you have to look at me as being in process in the same way. You, there has to be enough room in all of our relationships for people to, for people to make mistakes and to mess up. I'm not saying that, that we just let everything go, you know, and that we find a way to justify stuff and whatever. That's not, that's not what this is saying. But it says, bear with one another. See, if I see you as being in process, that's, that's natural. A lot of times we don't really think about the fact that, that, that we are fellow image bearers of God. But that's what we need to do. That's what living in community is all about. And what happens is when, when, when people who are not a part of a church or the church, when they see us, Just tearing each other down and giving each other a hard time and whatever. Who wants to be a part of that? When people look at us and they're like, you are so gracious with each other, you know? You You really want to help each other. Well, that, you know what that is? That's the image of God being, like, coming through our lives. That's God rubbing that part away in us and chipping that part away in us. And it's his graciousness and his compassion that shines through. So one, we take transformation seriously. Two, um, we have grace for each other. And the third one is there's, there's dignity for everyone. For every person on the planet, there is dignity. Here's what I mean. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. This is Jesus speaking. <coughs> Verse 31. We're gonna, it's a lot of verses, so just hang, hang in there. Bear with me. Um, this says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, and He will sit on His glorious throne, and before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then it will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. See, there's a there's a connection between a creator and their creation. You watch somebody who is uh, who likes to cook, and you know they spend hours and hours and hours making something, and then like it's always awkward because they watch you take your first bite, you know, and you have to be like, hmm. It's good. Anybody that's ever cooked anything, there's this weird connection because you're like you're looking at this like big pot of gumbo, and you're like, I made that. That's there because of me. Not in a weird way, but you're just like, oh, awesome. You watch you watch parents with their kids. You know, there's a connection between a parent and their child for many reasons, but one of them is that they're like, they're here because of us. There's a connection between God the Creator and who He has created. To the point where Jesus says, if you take care of somebody, it's the exact same thing to me as you taking care of me. And if you neglect someone, it's the exact same thing as you neglecting me. See, there's a connection there. There's got to be, a, a, there's got to be that dignity among us as being fellow image bearers of God. This, is, this must be the starting point as we look at someone else. Think about how different evangelism would be if that was the starting point. Instead of standing in free speech alley screaming at people about how they're going to hell because they're wearing shorts, which happens. <laughs> what, if the, what, if, what if the approach was, look at all these people created in the image of God. And that image has been distorted and Jesus has come to make a way for that image to be renewed and restored. Wouldn't that change the way we treated each other? What Jesus is saying is that very same thing. See, when, when, we don't, when that's not the starting point, injustice... Just prevails in life. When that's not how we see people, that's what happens. There are people all over the world, little kids, being sold into different forms of slavery because they're not seen as people created in the image of God, they're seen as a way to make money. They're People all around this part of the city and all over our city and every city all over the world who have nowhere to live. And if you and I, when you're coming up on the, the, the exit and they're there with a the sign, if you look at them and your first thought is, well, get a job, dude. Then injustice is going to win. If our first thought is there's someone that deserves dignity, because they were created in the image of God, just like I was, they are a fellow image bearer. Changes the way you look at them. There are times when, uh, when we all joke around with each other, and um, and I like to joke, obviously, because I I try to make jokes when I preach, and they're not really funny, um, but I'm gonna keep trying, dang it. Uh, there are times when we joke around each other, and it's fine. I think I think that's, having a sense of humor. I think God has a sense of humor. I think that's fine. But you know, there are times when our sense of humor crosses the line, and we're tearing we're tearing each other down. We're ripping somebody up to get a laugh in a crowd. Maybe that's not really um, showing them a lot of dignity either. I'm not saying don't mess with each other, because you know, but. There are are people who have stopped coming to our church because of the way we joke around with each other. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm I'm there. You know, the yesterday, uh, Nick Saban was in town, and there are lots of lots of jokes made at his expense. Nick Saban created an image of God just like you. I'm not saying you have to like him necessarily or agree with him or whatever. But come on. And probably the most obvious thing from this past week was our new president that was elected. There's a lot of... um, there's a lot of racism that surfaced this week. I'm not, and please, I'm not blasting y'all. All right, I'm making some general observations. There's a lot of racism that that came to the surface, and whether it was, you know, people intentionally suppressing it because it's not, you know, PC these days, or whether it was maybe just lying dormant, you didn't even realize it. and All of a sudden, like it just, like whatever, but. Saw so a lot of things you know a lot of things on Facebook that were just pretty stupid. I also saw a lot of people on Facebook getting angry at the stupid things that were being said. I know people got frustrated by going to work on Wednesday and hearing some of the things that were said and so it's just this mixture of of heartbreak you know because because of what is like showing up and then On the other side, there's just all this stuff that's just just wrong, and I'm not saying you have to uh, agree with Barack Obama or anything that kind of stuff. You disagree, whatever. I mean, that's fine. But he was created in the image of God, just like you. I mean, I could go. We go through example after example after example. And I think that was the, that was the tough part about watching the reaction um, was just how like how that that dignity and that compassion and that love flew out the window. And I think if we if we could really get to the point where when we look at each other, that's that's where we begin. But I can look at you, I can say, you know what, I disagree with what you're doing or what you're saying or how you're acting or whatever, and you can disagree with me. But the starting point is that there's, you're creating the image of God. In the, in the, in the book of, of James, he says, um, he's talking about the, the power of our speech you know, and, he, and he's it's like, with our mouths we, we bless the Lord and we curse people who were made in his image. Like This, this should not be And so you know it's it's kind of like, okay. What do you? I mean, what do you do with that? You know, like how do you all of a sudden start seeing people like that? Oh, image bearer, image bearer, image. I don't I don't know. Because most of us, when we look at someone, we we use a lot of other things to identify them. But I know this. I know that I want I want to get in a place where that is that is the way that I look at other people. I want to get to a place where that's where I see myself. That I don't size my life up by my performance. And I don't size other people up by the way that they look or how they, how they dress or how they think or what color their skin is or where they're from or what their accent is or what their political beliefs are or whatever. How great would it be to walk around and to look at everybody as a little uh, piece of Tupperware with a red marker on it? And some people have Christ inside of them, and he's rubbing uh, that red away, and he's chipping that red away. And some people are still over here, and they still have the golf ball in them. But all of us were created with the same intent and are deserving to be treated with that kind of dignity. Because when we treat each other with that kind of dignity, Jesus said it's just like treating him that way. Just the same exact thing. And so I don't know, I don't know what this, how this fits in, into your life. I mean, you're, you may be just really struggling with, with the first point tonight about taking transformation seriously. And so you've got to go after that. You may struggle with, with the second point, in, in just having grace for other believers. You may have the most ridiculous expectations of other Christians, but there's no, absolutely no grace. But you want tons of grace, but you offer no grace. That might have been the one where you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Maybe it's the third one. Maybe maybe you just you really struggle with having dignity for everyone, and maybe it's something that you did not realize until recently. Maybe the election brought out stuff in you that you're like, I cannot believe that I had those thoughts or that I went there. You know, maybe uh, maybe ever since 9-11, eleven, you've had issues with people from other countries, or you know what? Uh, I, I don't know. If you struggle with dignity, here's here's what needs to happen. You confess it that that was wrong repent and you get on your face and you you say god i do not want that i don't want to be that way and you turn from that and you claim the forgiveness that is yours And you claim the the renewal of his his image that and you claim that that process and you claim what jesus did on the cross and you move forward and you obey what he tells you to do mean. I knew this was going to kind of, it was going to get maybe a little awkward, a little bit heavy, but it's it's huge when you think about it. God's absolute desire is to take your life and to make you look just like Him. Sometimes He's going to just beat stuff out of you. He's going to force you to deal with things that you've been trying to run away from for a long time. And He's going to bring stuff to surface so you're like, "I, I had no idea I was even like that but he is faithful. And so when we come to him and we confess those things and we repent of those things and we say, I want to walk in obedience, he'll, he'll show you and he'll lead you and he'll honor that. All right. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, we're asking, you, um, we're asking you to do what only you can do. Because God, you know the you know the issues that we're facing, and you know the difficulties, you know the the things in life we've been running from or trying to hide. God, we thank you that the true and honest desire of every one of us that is in you is is to live. A life that completely reflects who you are. So knowing that, God, there's always things that stand in the way and fears we have and concerns that we have. But God, tonight, will you just will you show us, show us where where we are in the in that process? The process of being transformed and looking more and more like you all the time. We're not taking it seriously enough. God, we want you to chip that away. If we don't have grace for one another, God, we want you to chip that away. It's about dignity and seeing people as being image bearers that's created in your image. That image has been distorted and you're wanting to bring it back. God, we want you to chip that away. Now maybe there's something else that you're dealing with um, in people's lives. Whatever it is, God, we want you to chip it away.